Hello again, everybody. This is Rabbi Chaim Schwartz of the Varabonim of Queens and host of the podcast. On this week's episode, we feature Rabbi Nachman Lubinsky, president of Lubicom Marketing and Consulting and founder of Kosher Fest, a kosher trade show which will take place this week in New Jersey, November 9th and 10th. Okay, as promised, we're joined by Rabbi Menachem Lubinsky, founder of Kosher Fest, and the the owner and the founder also of Lubicom Consulting in Brooklyn, New York. How are you, Rabbi Menachem? Baruch Hashem. Good. Thank you very much for taking the time to to come on to this podcast. Um, I th- hope you saw the link of things that we've done in the past. We're trying to re- re- reinvent it and get it reinvigorated again after after coronavirus, COVID, and uh, we appreciate you being here. So just a little bit of a background. As you know, I'm the administrator here of the Vada Queens, and obviously we're involved in kosher, something which you're, which is very close to your heart. Just wanted to ask you, I've been going to Kosher Fest now for 20 years, I think, when I started in the Vada, Massachusetts. The first time I came was at Rabbi Halfinger. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, I do, sure. So he, he took me along. He said, this is an experience you have to have. So, so how, did the, how did it come to be to start Kosher Fest? When did it start? What was the impetus for it? Well, Kosher Fest actually started back in uh, 32 years ago. It was the outgrowth of, of a, an event that was called the Kosher Food and Jewish Life Expo, which was held at the Jacob K. Javits Center. It was a, uh, a public show, but also a trade show. And the, the person who started it, Irving Silverman, who was a, an octogenarian, um, legally blind and legally deaf person who felt that time had come to do a kosher food show since he was in the needle trades industry. Um, when it went, the show went to Chicago, to Miami, um, to Los Angeles as a public show. And then he couldn't handle the show anymore. And he actually sold it to me. And when I bought it, I saw that the, there was a legitimate need for a trade show for the kosher food industry. And at that time, 32 years ago, the kosher food industry was nowhere of what it is today. To give you just one example, uh, back 32 years ago, um, a Swarum store in Flatbush was likely to have about seven or eight cookbooks. And today, there are over 133, I believe was the last number I saw of kosher cookbooks on the market. Uh, so you can imagine how, how the industry grew since then. Um, and so I started, I started the kosher food, uh, uh, kosher fest back 32 years ago, uh, with, uh, 69 booths and maybe 600 visitors. And in 2019, which was the last year of the show, we had 7,000 people there and over 400 booths from, from over 30 countries. So uh, uh, obviously, while Kosher Fest was building, was becoming a, one of the largest food shows in the United States, it wasn't only uh, in the world that it was the only kosher food show, the kosher food industry really took off uh, in a very big way during that period of time. So I would say in, in, the, in the almost 20 years that I'm coming, I've also you know, noticed the change in, in, the, in the show and just the, the sheer volume of new things that have come to market. Uh, I also find that, uh, that uh, you know, it, it being a professional in the cautious industry, it's really a great time to, to, to put faces to the names and to get to see people. You know, the, there's people that we talk to on the phone 
literally, uh, you know, on a daily basis that you don't get to see whether it's in from other cash agencies or distributors and, and people that are that are bringing food. So I, how, how do you how do you find that that's that that has had a had an effect, a positive effect on the relationships in the business? Well, your, your question is very timely because for the first time in 32 years, there was no show last year due to COVID. And uh, the relationships between uh, vendors and between distributors and wholesalers and retailers uh, was mostly over the phone and over Zoom. And uh, now the two years have passed, sort of the industry misses that face-to-face -face connection and that personal, personal ties, especially at a time when the kosher food industry is growing at such a phenomenal pace. And it's growing more so because uh, th there is a, a commerce in the kosher community. I mean, you have communities like Lakewood that in those 32 years have gone from something in the order of 17 or 18,000 people to well over 90,000 people. Now, obviously that, that requires a lot more food and a lot more, uh, a, a lot more distribution. And the fact of the matter is that during that period of time, more, more recently in the last 15 years or 17 years, a network of kosher independent supermarkets was developed. And these supermarkets for the first time gave the kosher consumer a central location where they could buy almost everything they need and then some. And we're talking about stores that were 20, 30 and 50,000 square feet, something that the kosher community never knew. And the variety of products that were there uh, was unprecedented because during the previous generation, which were supermarkets that had large kosher sections, no matter how many kosher products they, they put in, they still didn't have the room to, to put in as many products as were coming on the market. We, 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 uh, we calculated and estimated that were about 500 new products a year were coming into the kosher, kosher industry. And that's a, an enormous amount of products. And in fact, some studies that have nothing to do with kosher when they, when they checked what was the one element that grew the fastest and the most on most products, it was the kosher symbol. And so we, we, this was a time, uh, and, and you know, personally, every time I feel that, that maybe we have peaked, it, it seems that we just, we just keep exploding. I mean, the, the, the last two years, which was uh, uh, chaotic and traumatic, um, the growth continued. Some, some stores experienced over 20% growth during that period. Uh, they they kind of made do with with uh, with deliveries with online. A lot of a lot of things changed in the in the way merchandising was done and the way sales were done. But by and large, the kosher community continues. Even as we speak right now, I can think of at least six or seven new stores that are underway that will be open by sometime in 2022, and it just keeps going. So uh, uh, Kosher Fest sort of, I, I look at it as the showcase, the show window of this industry, which inside that store, after you look at the show window, is an enormous industry with an enormous amount of products with a, an exciting and almost electric kind of dynamics that we could never have envisioned in the kosher food industry. The, for, for an example, I, I remember, as I said, when I first came, I remember there, maybe there was one, uh, I'm talking about 2005 or four, I don't remember. Maybe, maybe there was one or two products of wine. There, maybe there were two wine, you know, wineries that came. Uh, there certainly was not any um, uh, like um, the health products that you have now in the kosher industry, which has also exploded. You know, Baruch Hashem, I think we've become much more as a community, we've become much more 
uh, you know, cognizant of the fact that we need to be healthier and eat healthier. And, and that's also, you know, I go into the local places here in Queens and I just see health snacks and things that you've never seen before that were never on the, 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 from, the from shelves. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that with the gluten-free, which um, you know, I, I remember one show, I was excited that there were four booths that had gluten-free products. In 2019, we counted over 60 booths that had gluten-free products. And this, uh, and it just keeps, keeps expanding and it keeps exploding. The interest has been tremendous. Uh, what is interesting is that at the same time that um, uh, the industry grew in terms of retail, in terms of wholesale, it also grew in food service catering, the restaurants, uh, who went through an enormously hard time during these two years. But thankfully, some of them were able to su survive due to the stimulus. Uh, some of them, by, by sheer switching around their model, uh, doing home delivery and side sidewalk pickups, were able to, to thrive. And, and uh, the restaurant industry, uh, even as we speak, there are about five or six new restaurants being planned. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you here in Queens that Bar Hashem, you know, Ben Har, we pretty much got through it almost unscathed, uh, but uh, yeah. I want to, I want to, uh, I want to ask you something that uh, that's affecting everybody right now. And that's called the, the supply chain. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're hooked into the kosher industry, obviously so am I, but I wanted to get your perspective on if you think that this is something that's going to have, I, I know in the, in the kosher meat industry, it's having a, an adverse effect. I've, have you seen it? Have you heard about it in other products? And particularly as it affects Kosher Fest, is it is, has anything, has anything you see anything in that in that area? There's no question that uh, uh, the supply, the disruption of the supply chain has been an enormous problem. Uh, but we've also faced like this: uh, commodity prices have been going through the roof. Labor shortages have caused cutbacks in production and higher prices. Um, the, the, the fact that you couldn't even find drivers to deliver products, even if you had the products, you couldn't deliver them. And what if people brought in products from overseas, there's a good chance that they're, they're either in Long Beach or in Los Angeles in the ports, and they're not, get, are not getting to market. We've never faced that period because the United States kind of was spoiled that it had a, a, a very effective supply chain um, and uh, was able to deliver to market but, you know, when Pesach came around and uh, one supermarket couldn't even get a Coca-Cola distributor to deliver Coca-Cola, so you know the extent of the issues that are involved now with, with, the, with the supply chain. So we're living through this period. Um, prices, prices continue to rise, uh, but I think it's a misnomer to think that the retailers are taking advantage of the, of the uh, situation in order to charge more. They're just passing along whatever costs are being passed along to them, and still, uh, they're they're not making it. They're not making it through. So it's um, it is a very trying time. Um, you know, people are not incentivized to work, which is a which is a terrible problem. You have many many restaurants can't find waiters, and they're desperately looking for waiters. Uh, so we're, we're kind of living through a very strange time, and something that that in the United States of America we never thought we would face. No. Since, since the depression, I've talked to people who remember the depression and told me they don't remember this type of uh, crunch on the uh, on on the industry. So, so what do you see the future of in, in the future of kosher and, and this explosion? As you said before, you see it, you see it continuing. You see it, you know, changing year to year. So many products coming to market. Is no, there I, is there is there room for so many products? I mean, I'm looking at it. You know, uh, Rabbi Nachum Lubinsky, for those who don't know, puts out a, a wonderful. Uh, 
Kosher Today newsletter called Kosher Today, which I look forward to every time you send that. I always see something new that I don't. So I'm just looking at something that you have over here. You sent in, I think this was, um, if I could just get this in front of me. It was September 1st, actually, before Yom Tif, a product called Tulia Pomegranate Super Snacks, Mighty Date Super Snacks. <laughs> chocolate soup, pomegranate super snacks. I mean, is there room? Apple cinnamon super snacks. Is there room for all this stuff? Is there? Yes, I think I think we have a, a new demographic in the kosher community, a young a younger audience that fundamentally would like to see everything that can be made kosher should be made kosher. Um, we just went. We're just going through the co controversy of impossible pork. Yes, so, you know, and and some people in the community said why not make it kosher? The fact that it has a name pork, but the OU decided that uh, it's, it would be misleading to people and granting a category that has always been known to be the anti-kosher, to be made kosher might be a problem. But I'm not getting into that controversy, but what I'm pointing out is that there's no limit to what people would like to see as kosher. They would like to see every product that is where it's possible from a kosher's point of view it can be made kosher. They see no reason why they shouldn't be able to buy it. And uh, you know what? The industry has responded. The industry is producing those products and putting them out on the market. Let me ask you something that maybe maybe you have an answer you don't. Um, we know, for those, of, for those of us in the kosher industry, we know what's going on in Eretz Yisrael now with the government and their new laws with kosher. Uh, for those who don't know, the government put in these these un, un, unexplainable and un, uh, not understandable ideas of just watering down kashras and making it available to kashkacha for any rabbi in in in, uh, in Israel, no matter if he, if he has a rabbi in front of his name, and probably even if he doesn't. Do you see this affecting the imports to America, imports to the Mahajan community in America? You're the first person I asked this to actually, and now that now that we're talking about. Uh, you know this kind of this topic. Do you do you see? Do you see, how do you see this adversely affecting it? I, I mean, I know none of us really know understand it, but I, I see it as a disaster waiting to happen, and then the consumer becoming extremely uh, confused. What, what about you? Yeah, no, I uh, look it, it, the, the kashrus in Israel has always been kind of like mysterious to a lot of people. Um, American tourists who are used to. Uh, the symbols here, the major symbols, the Vadim, the Ashgachas the that they're well aware of, the Hasidish Ashgachas, once they come to Israel, they're lost. Rabbanut of this town, Rabbanut of that town, the central Rabbanut, Rabbi, they have no clue on how to negotiate this territory called Kashrus in Israel. So there is even a minority that feel that the, the government taking away the monopoly, quote unquote, from the Rabbanut and putting it out for anybody who is a, a respectable authority is a good thing. Um, but look, the fact, the fact that uh, you could argue that the fact that the government is meddling in cashless and deciding what should be cashless and not cashless is in itself a bad thing because the government has no place. And remembering that uh, one of the things that Ben-Gurion and company, when the founding of the state said that they would not change and that would be part of the status quo of the religious community in Israel, would be that kashris would be in the hands of the Rabbanut. So when they start tampering with the status quo and they start tampering with Geiris and they start tampering with personal status and they start tampering with Shabbos, those were all the fundamentals that they had agreed at the founding of the state would never be tampered with. It, it's of concern to a lot of people. Yeah, it's something we don't know where it's gonna go. So yeah. it's, it's scary. 
Where, where do you see Kosher Fest going in the future? Continuing? Are you, are you expanding it? Or is it different models, you know, as the world changes? No, I think, I think that um, what is happening in Kosher Fest is every year there's 70, 80 new exhibitors uh, with the United States, who, which has tens and tens of thousands of companies producing food. Uh, we're going to go into an era right now where the United States food companies are going to try to produce much more domestically because of the supply chain issues. It's, so, it's already beginning in, on many levels where the companies are saying we can't rely on waiting for the ships to come in from China or from, or from Southeast Asia. So, so Kosher Fest is going to be kind of, it's, it's going to have the, uh, uh, the standard bearers, the, the, the iconic companies, the bellwethers like, like the Kedems and the Keikos. And I want to touch upon that for a minute because I don't think people understood the, 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 the uh, scope of what Kedem was able to accomplish with wine. Because, you know, those people of my generation remember when wine meant either Malaga Tokai, or, 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 right? Okay, <laughs> you know, and, and today, and today, there are hundreds of different, different. You know, I had to, in order to understand wine, I had to learn about grapes. I never thought about a grapes before, except <laughs> if I wanted to eat a grape. But, but, but now there are so many, and so many countries are producing kosher because they learn that the one steady market that you can count on is the kosher market, because it's not only here in America. It's in Israel. To some extent, it's in Europe. It's in Australia. So the, the growth of the, of the wine industry and where they used to look down upon the kosher wine, it was called the Manischewitz wine because they were the, the sweet sacramental wines. Today, these wines are winning international awards. They're winning for, for their taste. Wine, wineries in the Golan and the wineries in the Galil are state-of-the-art and can compete with any Italian, French, Australian, or whatever wine. So we've made enormous strides with that, made enormous strides, for example, in, um, in a lot of different categories. In the snack food aisle, uh, you can go today, you can go through a snack food aisle, you will find, you can find hundreds and hundreds of products of snack food. Uh, some that are good for you, some that are not good for you, and I'm not getting into the nutritional values of them, but this is all part of the dynamics of change of what, what kosher, kosher food has gone through in the last couple of years. And uh, if you walk through a kosher supermarket today, it's an eye-opener. The, the, the type of products and the scope of the products that are there. And the, the one thing that I think we have to also emphasize is that Baruch Hashem, the recognized kashrus agencies and the Vadim, such as yours, have really risen to the challenge. It's not easy in this age of technology to keep up with everything that's happening out there and to keep up with them and to, and, and to recognize changes and to be able to be in touch with the, with the consumer base. Uh, I think that is an enormous tribute to the cashless industry of what they were able to accomplish. Thank you. I will say that through the help of ACO and, and other, other platforms, I, I think the, the cohesiveness amongst the agencies and the communication, especially with WhatsApp, has has really uh, um, created a a, a very uh, a, a good a very good chabura, but also created a very a very well good working relationship between all of us, especially which especially during. No problem. No, I, I agree with which, you. Which especially during during this time of COVID, it, it, was, it was vital. It was vital that we we the communication was vital. 
And yeah, I, really... I, I totally agree with you. And I, and I tell this even to, to sometimes when I lecture in normal business, the, the one competitive industry that's really not competitive is kosher, the cashless industry. Right, that's right. <laughs> All right. I want to I want to thank you for your time. I know you're busy. My pleasure. And, to be I want to wish you all the best, and Rich Shem, looking forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. And all to right. see all the to see all the chaverim and to see all the. Unfortunately, Echo, I think we're not getting together this year as we usually do. Uh, the day after, usually we would have a together at the OU, but I think because of the traveling restrictions and everything else, I think we pushed it off. But um, it, it, just for the just for the consumers, you know, I don't know. It's not open for consumers, right? It's only for, oh, for it's trade open, it's only people from the trade. The trade, but for those for those who have never been there, and it's it's quite a sight to see. And if I may say, Rabbi Nachum, it's a tremendous kiddush Hashem that to see people. I've been to other food shows, if you have been, and to see old people, that are there, like like the Chazal say, Not only not only do we get to have the, the new products, but we also be able to give each other parnasa as a result of Kosher Fest is like the most, is the, is the biggest chesed that one can do. So it really fosters, you know, good feelings around. It fosters kosher food. It fosters parnasa for everybody, getting to know everybody. And and it's just, it's it's Kulei Toiv, Kulei Kiddush Hashem, and something which is, which is, it's, it's something which is an example really for, for, for all of us, for all trades and everybody out there. What, what, what we can do as Yidin when we, when, we, when we put our minds together like you did, to, to make this tremendous show. So thank you very much. Thank for you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you for your okay. precious time. Okay. Have a good one. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send us an email at vhq at queensva.org. Again, that's vhq at queensva.org. Please feel free to subscribe at queensvod.org and to receive all of our content including the vodcast the weekly Shabbos podcast and our newsletter and for updates and news thank you and have a great day